Chapter One of Gladiator. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Gladiator by Philip Wiley. Chapter One. Once upon a time in Colorado lived a man named Abednego Danner and his wife Matilda. Abednego Danner was a professor of biology in a small college in the town of Indian Creek He was a spindling wisp of a man with a nature drawn well into itself by the assaults of the world and Particularly of the grim mrs. Danner who understood nothing and undertook all Nevertheless these two lived modestly in a frame house on the hem of Indian Creek and they appeared to be a settled and peaceful couple the chief obstacle to mrs. Danner's placid dominion of her hearth was professor Danner's laboratory Which occupied a room on the first floor of the house? It was the one impregnable redoubt in her domestic stronghold Neither threat nor entreaty would drive him and what she termed his stinking unchristian unhealthy dinguses from that room after he had lectured vaguely to his classes on the structure of the Parmesium Caudatum and the law discovered by Mendel, he would shut the door behind himself, and all the fury of the stalwart black-haired woman could not drive him out until his own obscure ends were served. It never occurred to Professor Danner that he was a great man or a genius. His alarm at such a notion would have been pathetic. He was so fascinated by the trend of his thoughts and experiments, in fact, that he scarcely realized by what degrees he had outstripped a world that wore picture hats hobble skirts and straps beneath its trouser legs however as the century turned and the fashions changed he was carried further from them which was just as well on a certain sunday he sat beside his wife in church singing snatches of the hymns in a doleful and untrue voice and meditating during the long sermon on the structure of chromosomes she bolt upright and overshadowing him like a coffin in the pew rigid lest her black silk rustle thrilled in some corner of her mind at the picture of hell and salvation mr danner's thoughts turned to professor mudge whose barren pate showed above the congregation a few rows ahead of him there he said to himself sat a stubborn and unenlightened man and so when the weekly tyranny of church was ended he asked mudge to dinner that he accomplished by an argument with his wife audible the length of the aisle They walked to the Danner residence Mrs. Danner changed her clothes hurriedly Basted the roast made milk sauce for the string beans and set three places They went into the dining room Danner carved the homemade mint jelly was passed the bread the butter the gravy and mrs Danner dropped out of the conversation after guying her husband on his lack of skill and his task of carving Mudge opened with the usual comment Well Abednego, how are the bloodstream radicals progressing? His host chuckled excellently. Thanks Some day I'll be ready to jolt you hidebound biologists into your senses Mudge's left eyebrow lifted so Still the same thing I take it still believe that chemistry controls human destiny Almost ready to demonstrate it Danner replied along what lines? Muscular strength and the nervous discharge of energy Mudge slapped his thigh ha <laughs> ha 
nervous discharge of energy you assume the human body to be a voltaic pile eh? that's good i'll have to tell grupper he'll enjoy it danner in some embarrassment gulped a huge mouthful of meat why not he said look at the insects the ants strength a hundred times our own an ant can carry a large spider yet an ant is tissue and fiber like a man if a man could be given the same sinews he could walk off with his own house ha ha that's a good one maybe you'll do it abednego possibly possibly and you would make a splendid piano mover pianos pooh consider the grasshoppers make a man as strong as a grasshopper and he'll be able to leap over a church i tell you there is something that determines the quality of every muscle and nerve find it transplant it and you have the solution mirth overtook professor mudge in a series of paroxysms from which he emerged rubicund and witty probably your grasshopper man will look like a grasshopper more insect than man at least danner you have imagination few people have danner said and considered that he had acquitted himself his wife interrupted at that point i think this nonsense has gone far enough it is wicked to tamper with god's creatures it is wicked to discuss such matters especially on the sabbath abednego i wish you would give up your work in the laboratory danner's cranium was over large and his neck small but he stiffened it to hold himself in a posture of dignity never his wife gazed from the defiant pose to the locked door visible through the parlor she stirred angrily in her clothes and speared a morsel of food you'll be punished for it later in the day mudge and grupper laughed heartily at the expense of the former's erstwhile host danner read restively he was forbidden to work on the sabbath it was his only compromise matilda danner turned the leaves of the bible and meditated in a partial vacuum of daydreams on monday danner hastened home from his classes during the night he had had a new idea and the new idea was a rare thing after fourteen years of groping investigation alkaline radicals he murmured as he crossed his lawn he considered a group of ultra microscopic bodies he had no name for them they were the determinants of which he had talked he locked the laboratory door behind himself and bent over the microscope he had designed hm, he said an hour later while he stirred a solution in a beaker he said hm, again he repeated it when his wife called him to dinner the room was a maze of test tubes bottles burners retorts and instruments during the meal he did not speak afterwards he resumed work at twelve he prepared six tadpole eggs and put them to hatch it would be his three hundred and sixty-first separate tadpole hatching then one day in june danner crossed the campus with unusual haste birds were singing a gentle wind eddied over the town from the slopes of the rocky mountains flowers bloomed the professor did not heed the reburgeoning of nature a strange thing had happened to him that morning he had peeped into his workroom before leaving for the college and had come suddenly upon a phenomenon one of the tadpoles had hatched in its aquarium he observed it eagerly first because it embodied his new idea and second because it swam with a rare activity as he looked the tadpole rushed at the side of its domicile there was a tinkle and a splash 
It had swum through the plate glass. For an instant it lay on the floor. Then, with a flick of its tail, it flew into the air and hit the ceiling of the room. Good Lord, Danner said. Old years of work were at an end. New years of excitement lay ahead. He snatched the creature, and it wriggled from his grasp. He caught it again. His fist was not sufficiently strong to hold it. He left it, flopping in eight-foot leaps, and went to class with considerable suppressed agitation and some reluctance. The determinant was known. He had made a living creature abnormally strong. When he reached his house and unlocked the door of the laboratory, he found that four tadpoles in all had hatched. Before they expired in the unfamiliar elements of air, they had demolished a quantity of apparatus. Mrs. Danner knocked on the door. What's been going on in there? Nothing, her husband answered. Nothing? It sounded like nothing. What have you got there, a cat? No, yes. Well, I won't have such goings-on, and that's all there is to it. Danner collected the debris. He buried the tadpoles. One was dissected first. Then he wrote for a long time in his notebook. After that he went out, and with some difficulty secured a pregnant cat. A week later he chloroformed the tabby and inoculated her. And then he waited. He had been patient for a long time. It was difficult to be patient now. When the kittens were born into this dark and dreary world, Mr. Danner assisted as sole obstetrician. In their first hours, nothing marked them as unique. The professor selected one and drowned the remainder. He remembered the tadpoles and made a simple calculation. When the kitten was two weeks old and its eyes opened, it was dieting on all of its mother's milk and more besides. The professor considered that fact significant. Then one day it committed matricide. Probably the playful blow of its front paw was intended in the best spirit. Certainly the old tabby receiving it was not prepared for such violence from its offspring. Danner gasped. The kitten had unseamed its mother in a swift and horrid manner. He put the cat out of its misery and tended the kitten with trepidation. It grew. It ate beefsteaks and chops, bone and all. When it reached three weeks, it began to jump alarmingly. The laboratory was not large enough. The professor brought it its food with the expression of a man offering a wax sausage to a hungry panther. On a peaceful Friday evening, Danner built a fire to stave off the rigors of a cold snap. He and Mrs. Danner sat beside the friendly blaze. Her sewing was in her lap, and in his was a book to which he paid scant attention. The kitten, behind its locked door, thumped and mewed. It's hungry, Mrs. Danner said. If you must keep a cat, why don't you feed it? I do, he answered. He refrained for politic reasons from mentioning what and how much he fed it. The kitten mewed again. Well, she repeated, it sounds hungry. Danner fidgeted. The laboratory was unheated and consequently chilly. From its gloomy interior, the kitten peered beneath the door and saw the fire. It sensed warmth. The feline affinity for hearths drew it. One paw scratched tentatively on the door. It's cold, Mrs. Danner said. Why don't you bring it here? No, I don't want it here. Take it a cover. It, it has a cover. Danner did not wish to go into that dark room. The kitten scratched again, and then it became earnest. 
There was a splitting rending sound the bottom panel of the door was torn away and it emerged nonchalantly crossing the room and curling up by the fire for five minutes mrs danner sat motionless her eyes at length moved from the kitten to her husband's quivering face and then to the broken door on his part he made no move the kitten was a scant six inches from his foot mrs danner rose she went to the door and studied the orifice prying at it with her fingers as if to measure the kitten's strength by her own then she turned the key and peered into the gloom that required either consummate nerve or great curiosity after her inspection she sat down again ten minutes passed danner cleared his throat then she spoke so you've done it done what he asked innocently you've made all this rubbish you've been talking about strength happened to that kitten it wasn't rubbish evidently at that crisis mr danner's toe trembled and the kitten believing it a new toy curled its paws over the shoe there was a sound of tearing leather and the shoe came apart fortunately the foot inside it was not hurt severely danner did not dare to budge he heard his wife's startled inhalation mrs danner did not resume her sewing she breathed heavily and slow fire crept into her cheeks the enormity of the crime overcame her and she perceived that the hateful laboratory had invaded her portion of the house moreover her sturdy religion had been desecrated danner read her thoughts don't be angry he said beads of perspiration gathered on his brow angry the kitten stirred at the sound of her voice angry and why not here you defied god and man and made that creature of the devil you've overrun my house you're a wicked wicked man and as for that cat i won't have it i won't stand for it what are you going to do her voice rose to a scream do do plenty and right here and now she ran to the kitchen and came back with a broom she flung the front door wide her blazing eyes rested for a moment on the kitten to her it had become merely an obnoxious little animal scat you little demon the broom came down on the cat's back with a jarring thud after that chaos a ball of fur lashed through the air what not birdcage bookcase morris chair flew asunder then the light went out in the darkness a comet a hurricane ricocheted through the room then there was a crash mightier than the others followed by silence when danner was able he picked himself up and lighted the lamp his wife lay on the floor in a dead faint he revived her she sat up and wept silently over the wreck of her parlor danner paled a round hole a hole that could have been made by nothing but a solid cannon shot showed where the kitten had left the room through the wall mrs danner's eyes were red-rimmed her breath came jerkily with incredulous little gestures she picked herself up and gazed at the hole a draught blew through it mr danner stuffed it with a rug what are we going to do she said if it comes back we'll call it samson and as soon as samson felt the gnawing of appetite he returned to his rightful premises mrs danner fed him her face was pale and her hands trembled horror and fascination fought with each other in her soul as she offered the food her husband was in his classroom nervously trying to fix his wits on the subject of the day 
Kitty, Kitty, poor little Kitty, she said. Samson purred and drank a quart of milk. She concealed her astonishment from herself. Mrs. Danner's universe was undergoing a transformation. At three in the afternoon, the kitten scratched away the screen door on the back porch and entered the house. Mrs. Danner fed it the supper meat. Danner saw it when he returned. It was chasing flies in the yard. He stood in awe. The cat could spring twenty or thirty feet with ease. Then the sharp spur of dread entered him. Suppose someone saw and asked questions. He might be arrested, taken to prison. Something would happen. He tried to analyze and solve the problem. Night came. The cat was allowed to go out unmolested. In the morning, the town of Indian Creek rose to find that six large dogs had been slain during the dark hours. A panther had come down from the mountains, they said, and Danner lectured with a dry tongue and errant mind. It was Will Hogue, farmer of the fifth generation, resident of the environs of Indian Creek, churchgoer and hard cider addict, who bent himself most mercilessly on the capture of the alleged panther. His chicken house suffered thrice, and then his sheepfold. After four such depredations, he cleaned his rifle and undertook a vigil from a spot behind the barn. An old moon rose late and illuminated his pastures with a blue glow. He drank occasionally from a jug to ward off the evil effects of the night air. Sometime after twelve, his attention was distracted from the jug by stealthy sounds. He moved toward them. A hundred yards away, his cows were huddled together, a heap of dun shadows. He saw a form which he mistook for a weasel creeping toward the cows. As he watched, he perceived that the small animal behaved singularly unlike a weasel. It slid across the earth on taut limbs, as if it were going to attack the cows. Will Hogue repressed a guffaw. Then the farmer's short hair bristled. The cat sprang and landed on the neck of the nearest cow and clung there. Its paw descended. There was a horrid sound of ripping flesh, a moan, the thrashing of hoofs, a blot of dribbling blood, and the cat began to gorge on its prey. Hogue believed that he was intoxicated, that delirium tremens had overtaken him. He stood rooted to the spot. The marauder ignored him. Slowly, unbelievingly, he raised his rifle and fired. The bullet knocked the cat from its perch. Mr. Hogue went forward and picked it up. God Almighty, he whispered, the bullet had not penetrated the cat's skin. And suddenly it wriggled in his hand. He dropped it, a flash of fur in the moonlight, and he was alone with the corpse of his Holstein. He contemplated profanity. He considered kneeling in prayer. His joints turned to water. He called faintly for his family, and then he fell unconscious. When Danner heard of that exploit, it was relayed by jeering tongues, who said the farmer was drunk and a panther had killed the cow. His lips set in a line of resolve. Samson was taking too great liberties. It might attack a person, in which case he, Danner, would be guilty of murder. That day he did not attend his classes. Instead, he prepared a relentless poison in his laboratory and fed it to the kitten in a brace of meaty chops. The dying agonies of Samson, aged seven weeks, were Homeric. After that, Danner did nothing for some days. He wondered if his formula and the processes should be given to the world. But being primarily a man of vast imagination, 
he foresaw hundreds of rash experiments suppose he thought that his discovery was tried on a lion or an elephant such a creature would be invincible the tadpoles were dead the kitten had been buried he sighed wearily and turned his life into its usual courses end of chapter one